This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded and edited on the land of the Tharawal people. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy this week's episode. Hey everyone, David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Hope things are going well, I hope you are safe, hope you are healthy, and I wish the same for uh, all of your loved ones as well. Uh, I hope you caught Isolated uh, over the last couple of weekends. What an absolute treat that was. A uh, bunch of friends of the show participating last weekend, including Alex Leahy, and Liz Stringer, Jen Cloer, Camp Cope, Courtney Barnett, and a bunch of other absolute legends as well. Really, really awesome way to spend a weekend. This week's guest is Sasami. Sasami is a Asian-American singer, songwriter, guitarist, uh, incredible performer, great, great, great singer, and uh, yeah, a real treat to chat to. Um, we literally met on the day of recording and she could not have been nicer or more accommodating or more thoughtful. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really, really fun chat. This took place back in December. Uh, Sasami was out here on a national tour with uh, friends of the show, previous guests of the show, Spacey Jane. And I spoke to Sasami before a show at the Unibar in the greatest city in the world, Wollongong, New South Wales. This was a really, really fun one. I want to give a big thank you to Gabrielle Ryan and Lucy Buckeridge over at Domino Records for helping to set this one up. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, This was one of the last things that Gab did uh, before she moved on from her role at Domino, and uh, so I want to thank her in particular for uh, making sure all that was settled on her way out the door. Also want to give a big thank you to Sami as well for taking the time to speak to me. Very, very much appreciated. And as always, a huge thank you to Mr. Adam Buncher for helping to put the audio for this one together. Uh, In case you missed it, uh, Sasami has a new single out. Uh, Just came out a few weeks ago. The song is called Mess, uh, and you can watch the video for that on YouTube and stream that one on Spotify, uh, where you can also find her self-titled debut album, which is well, well worth a listen if you haven't already investigated. All right, before we get into the episode, just because I forgot to do it last week, I just want to send out a massive, massive thank you to the people supporting uh, the podcast and me personally over on Patreon. Uh, not expecting anything from anyone at this time, but uh, the fact you guys have stuck around and are still supporting what I'm doing, it means a lot. Uh, absolutely no judgment to anyone who's had to retract. I completely 
understand. But uh, yeah, for those who are in a position to continue supporting, I really hope that whatever I'm doing is worth your while. And uh, I hope you really, really enjoy it. So a massive, massive thank you to Amy Gray, Benaya Colbin, Blake Hennequin, Catherine Burgess, Chris Bowden, Dave McCarthy, David Armstrong, David Beckett, Elliot J. O'Neill, Eloise Young, Jeremy Dillon, Jeremy Neal, Jonathan Elvery, Katie Beashaw, Liam Sherlaw, Mark Wilson, Mary Gleason, Matthew Lynch, Paddy Abelos, Paul McWhorter, Simon Bath, and Will McDougall. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week. Please, please stay safe, look after one another, and I will speak to you very, very soon. But in the meantime, here's my chat with Sasami. David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend Sasami. Hello. Wow, that was a hell of an intro. Thank you. Just warming up. <laughs> How are you today? Oh, good. I didn't do any homework for this. Is that okay? That is completely fine. You don't need to. Okay, great. Because sometimes, you know, like I did that Rage TV thing, uh-huh. a guest thing, and they like had all this homework I had to do ahead of time. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was I had to really go through stressful. the book of music videos and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I just had to like plan out music videos and like what I was going to say about them yeah. and blah, blah, blah. You know, so I was like a little nervous today when I like totally forgot I had a thing. And then I was like, oh, shit, I didn't do any homework. Can I say shit? I can say shit. You can absolutely say shit. Shit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's Wednesday afternoon. We are in Wollongong, the greatest city in the world. And Sasami is in Australia for the very first time, if I'm not mistaken. Second time. Second time. First time in Wollongong. Ah, excellent. When was your first time here? January. Oh, but I was only in Sydney and Vic- in uh, Melbourne and oh, the Central right. Coast, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that for a festival? I was just doing press and some solo shows, and I made a, a clip while I was here. Oh, nice one. Where, yeah. did, where did you film that? Oh, you know, in um, Terrigal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up yeah. the Senny Sea. Yeah. <laughs> you know your lingo. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually saying that it would be really cool to make merch for the Central Coast that was like the Chanel symbol, like the two oh, C's. Oh, yeah, yes. And I it love said it. Central Coast. So you think that would actually like maybe be really popular? I'd pay the shit out of that. That would be <laughs> awesome. Uh, so indeed, uh, you are here in Australia on tour with previous guests of the show, Spacey Jane. Uh, how did how did this one come about? Um Paul Sloan, otherwise uh-huh. known as Sloney, is both of our uh, booking agents. And yeah, I think it just kind of was the right place at the right time. And they were happy to have me and they're being really hospitable and kind. And yeah. Fantastic. Definitely. And you've, you've brought a little super, super group along with you. They're super. The, yeah, right? Definitely. What was it? What's the, what's the band name? The Tough Guns? Yeah, the Tough Guns. Fuck yes. Yeah, I think that was Schlocky's idea. But <laughs> that sounds like I'm, something I'm here for it. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, long, long, long time friends of mine. So yeah. very, very stoked to, to see them. Yeah. Uh, I believe they were hooked up with you with the previous guest of the show, Courtney Barnett? Yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah, Courtney's a friend of mine, and I was talking about coming here on this tour 
and um, because I'm a solo artist, I don't have a regular band. And yeah. I just, you know, I've done it a lot where I've hired a rhythm section to learn the parts and then we kind of throw it together and it's kind of punk that way. Yeah, to totally. not have it be so overly rehearsed. Yeah. So she recommended Liz and Jen and it's been fucking awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah. How have the shows been going so far? Really great, yeah. We did um, we did a in-store last night in Brisbane yeah. at Jet Black Cat. Oh, nice. Shannon's shop. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely stoked to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, of course. So, I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it was changing from being something you were maybe watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to switching over and being like, well, this is what I want to do, I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I want to be in a band, that sort of stuff. Like, can you tell me how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing, and if there was any kind of moment where it kind of switched over and kind of clicked for you? Well, I... Uh, studied classical music first, so yeah, like, right. like all good Korean children, I took piano <laughs> lessons when I was five. Did you hate piano lessons? <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, like yes. all <laughs> Korean children, I also hated. <laughs> Actually, I had Korean lessons like every Korean kid, and I hated them mm. like every white kid. <laughs> my two sides, yeah. my fighting, my fighting genetics, you know. Oh. The high-achieving Korean and the lazy-ass American. (laughs) (laughs) The diaspora is too real. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, my background was in classical music, and then I picked French horn when I was 11, Mm. and then I played that really seriously through conservatory until pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah, and... um, I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I, even though I was studying classical music, I grew up going to like the Troubadour and the yeah. Smell and a yeah, lot of yeah. like legendary kind of rock venues in LA. So I grew up going to rock shows. Um, my dad always played Fleetwood Mac and the Beatles and Steely Dan. And I mean, I think I even took a couple of guitar lessons when I was really young, yeah, but nothing, right. nothing really serious. I got really into classical music and played in the orchestra and went to school for symphonic music yeah. and for music ed and didn't really get into songwriting until this album that I made. Really? Those were all my first songs I yeah, ever wrote. Morning what? Comes was the first song I ever wrote. So. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So your first quote-unquote gig, your first performance would have been super young then as a, as a child. Definitely. I actually recently watched a camcorder home video of a piano recital and it's really, oh, actually I only what? realized that my dad had digitized them because my sister like put an Instagram story up where she was crushing piano mm. and I have a younger brother who has a band called Froth right. and we both tour and play music and make albums and stuff and yeah. she is an occupational therapist. She doesn't even do music at all but she was totally crushing this like 90s camcorder footage of her at like the piano recital and she was like I'm the real talent I'm the real musical talent (laughs) and honestly it's true like the video of my performance is cringy yeah right (laughs) I was like damn stick to guitar honey How old were you? I mean, I was like five. Exactly. And my sister so was four. She was always that higher achieving sibling. Oh, the golden child, yeah. <laughs> but I'm cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, just kidding. She's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she is. <laughs> so you didn't have bands in high school or anything like that? Nope. Just uh, wind ensemble. <laughs> yeah, nice. Just the wind band. Yeah, right. But 
Yeah. I mean, I got into the studio a couple times in high school and in college playing horn and trumpet on other right. people's albums. Yeah. But, yeah, not, not my own. So it was, you know, I spent a lot of time after college teaching music, and then I started touring with Cherry Glazer, mm. um, playing keyboards to another band out of Los Angeles. And um, I toured with them for about three years, mostly playing keys. So I really didn't get super into guitar until, like, last year or the year before. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. What can you tell me about those years touring, like, as a keyboard player? They were just super educational. I mean, I went from being in a fully acoustic musical environment to then being in totally electronic music land, you know? Even though the guitar is, you know, considered, or the drums are considered acoustic, once you plug them into gear and into sound systems, it's all, like, just super electronic. So, And I was playing keys, so I was learning about oscillators and learning about, you know, monophonic, polyphonic synths, like how to put them through outboard gear to get certain tones and to get certain harmonics out of them and how to balance that at a live show and and in a recording. So, yeah, so being in Cherry Glazer was my first experience really traveling traveling all over the world and having to deal with different sizes of venues and how to kind of adapt your performance and your sound to different venues and being in a studio. And yeah, it just taught me a lot. And because at the time I wasn't doing as much, well, actually we kind of decided as a band to not do press because it was, it was kind of a lot, which is a whole other thing. But because of that, we had a lot of free time. And so I actually wrote the whole self-titled album while I was on tour with Cherry Glazer. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that something you always had kind of envisioned in the back of your head? Like, Oh, absolutely be- not. Really? No. Yeah. If you would have told me like three years ago that I would be a solo artist, I would not have believed you. I mean, I was just making that. It was my first ever album of songs, yeah. you know? I was just making it as kind of out of necessity as a side thing. Yeah. I didn't even intend to ever tour it. Mm. I, I was talking to some smaller labels about putting it out just because I had so much debt from making it because I recorded it on tape at this really cool studio in LA. Yeah, but wow. it costs a bit to record on tape because yeah. you can't really do stuff at your house and like bounce fly it in. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So, Hectic. yeah. <laughs> so here I am. Yeah, right? <laughs> Unbeknownst to myself. So when was the first quote-unquote Sasami gig? Uh, I actually opened for my brother's band, Froth. Actually, wait, was that the first? That was the first band gig, mm. I think. I, I think I did a gig in London once that was like a duo gig. I did a really early duo gig with my brother opening for Blondie and Liz Fair. But that wasn't, with a, fil- that wasn't with a full band. Yeah, it that's was this. Still, that's still fucking It was huge. wild. It was like this How house of vans. <laughs> It was like this House of Vans show that was like curated by Blondie. And so she picked Liz Fair and me as like the multi-generational Whoa. kind of things. Yeah, it was crazy. I met both of them and it was fully oh insane. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? What is Debbie Harry like in real life? She's a fucking legend. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> Oh my god, this is actually... I can imagine it would have been kind of terrifying. It's just like, you know who you are, right? Well, it's funny because I actually am like such a bigger fan of Liz Fair. But Liz Fair is like a huge fan of Debbie Harry. So I was kind of freaking out about being around Liz. And then Liz was kind of freaking out about being around Debbie Harry. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. It's a generational thing. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. (laughs) Oh yeah, because you're 32? I Me? Yeah. I'm 29. Oh, right. I was going to say, so like you would have... 
like gotten I'm into, Asian years old though. Uh, I'm uh, timeless. Wink wink. Uh, so I was gonna say like you would have gotten into Guyville around like yeah. very very important time. Yeah, like, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Whereas I was like, oh, Heart of Glass. It's music for my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but your dad would have been stoked you met her though. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely. He was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get with it, Dad. Yeah, come on. <laughs> totally. Oh, gosh. With all of that kind of taken into consideration, like when this record came out and you started like doing shows in support of it, were you kind of like s- surprised or taken back at the response to it? Because, um, you know, it's one thing to be out there, you know, you, you still had plenty of experience touring yeah. and performing and stuff like that, but that was always as a side person, and now to have the focus specifically on you and literally have your name on the cover and stuff like that, I can imagine is a very different and very pro- potentially confronting experience as well. Yeah, I mean, I got incredibly lucky because the first song I put on SoundCloud got Pitchfork Best New Track, and that's kind as of like do. weird <laughs> cheat code or something. Right? I don't know. It's funny because I put that, I put Callus out because I was like, this will never be a single. I might as well at least like put something out because I was about to go on a five week tour with Baths. It was like an electronic band. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Baths just, yeah. and No Joy and then me opening solo. I didn't even have a single song out. They yeah, wow. just asked me out in good faith basically and so I was like I should put at least one song out so when people see my set they have like, they can Google my name and like yeah, yeah. an anime character with the same name won't show up. You know? <laughs> but yeah, so I was really surprised when that happened and that really opened a lot of doors in terms of labels and booking agent and managers and stuff like that. I mean like I obviously like a lot of people knew who I was because I've worked with a lot of other artists and, and I've yeah. toured with Cherry Laser and stuff, but we're just kind of in that day and age where where the music industry like it's not that it's a feedback loop, but like they kind of won't do anything unless you're already something. Yeah, right. Which is yeah. fucked. But I mean, it's just the reality. So I got really lucky. And also I put my time in. So I'm just yeah, gonna sure. say I invested I invested a lot of my time high risk, high doing reward. other other people's yeah. stuff. So yeah. Yeah. What what other stuff were you doing outside of the Cherry Glazer stuff? I did some film scores, I did some commercial stuff, I did a lot of string and horn arrangements. Yeah. For like Curtis Harding and Avi Buffalo and Vagabond. Just yeah, like a bunch yeah. of bunch of other artists yeah so i can imagine that kind of opens up a whole other community like it, it happens here in, in australia a lot but I'm, I'm assuming it's quite similar to where you are you know where you meet someone and they'll introduce you to two people right. and those two people will introduce you to two other people yeah and so on and so on and, so and also on. like we all kind of play on each other's stuff and collaborate especially because la like so many people live there now. Like yeah, of course. Meg from Hand Habits played on my record and I played horns on one of their songs. And yeah. it's just kind of this, it's this kind of thing where there's so many ways to collaborate. So I guess I, that's how I kind of got in. And I don't know. I hmm. just, I'm just a musician. I was just yeah. doing music. And then one day I was doing music under my own name. Yeah. And here I am <laughs> again, unbeknownst again. to me. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> What do you remember about that first tour, that first run? Were you just playing guitar or were you running stuff through track? Or Well, like- I had like a little Yamaha keyboard that had a drum machine. Yeah. And I right. was like kind of, I would like play, I would like use my foot to like turn the drum machine on and like maybe play a bass line with my foot. And I was like kind of improvising over it, like yeah. vocally, like kind of like spoken word slash improvised singing while I was tuning. Right, yeah. You know, just because I was like nervous about the, 
the dead space. My background is in teaching. So with mm. kids, you can't even leave like 30 seconds of silence. The whole room will be like yeah. in total <laughs> World War Four yeah. or whatever, five. I don't know what number we're on, but you know, that's what would be, that's what would be happening. So I think I, w- I have always had a lot of anxiety about letting the energy of the room kind of, uh, entropize, yeah, entropy sure. eyes. Yeah. I don't know whatever the verb is of entropy. Enterprise? Enterprise? Let's go with that. (laughs) But yeah, so um, so yeah, I was doing that. But then by the end, I was like just kind of playing a normal a normal guitar and vocal set. Kind of had gained you gain a little bit of confidence after five weeks of doing the same set every single night by yourself. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean adapting between the various like. Context of performances, so playing solo, playing with a backing band, opening, headlining. Like, do you change the way that you approach those shows, like per like whatever context you're in, or do you feel like you know you're at the point now where it's kind of like a what you see is what you get, regardless of what circumstances you're seeing you under? I definitely adjust. Yeah, yeah. Every night I adjust. I feel like that's another thing that I just definitely a skill that I got from teaching is like learning how to read the room and read the energy in the room and feel like I give the same amount of energy no matter what the circumstances is but how I use the energy will change from room to room you know like doing an in-store last night where I did half the song solo you know I was able to use a kind of more dynamic range with my voice whereas Mm. when I'm playing with a band I like I kind of have to sing out a lot when I'm with a band because I'm like already competing for that sonic space um so yeah and also my banter or what i say in between is always going to be different based yeah. on whether people whether the audience is like really tender fans that know my music well and know what i stand for or whether they're fucking strangers yeah and i want them to be scared and excited <laughs> <laughs> i always want them to be scared and excited but you yeah. know <laughs> different things scare and excite people sure yeah so uh, what about this tour then? Like, uh, you know, you're playing to audiences again that largely might not know you. And Yeah, you it's know, a lot of calling yeah. people cunts. <laughs> Seems to work. Oh, Australians love it when Americans <laughs> do that. Go nuts for it. I think they get a little shocked, you know. Yeah. An old girl band yeah. on stage <laughs> calling us cunts. <laughs> Real shock to the system. Definitely. I think it's good. I think if I, think if I achieve nothing less than to scare some stray white boys and I've done well for Ooh, myself. Shucking old, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel are the most important things that you've learnt from, you know, your time as quote-unquote Sasami, like doing these tours and, you know, kind of uh, redefining yourself as a performer, like a central stage as opposed to, you know, being a, being a side player because there's, you know, very different elements that factor into both of those things. And I can imagine now that you've been doing this for a while now, like there have been probably some key things that you've picked up along the way, like as a, as a headliner and as a solo performer, etc. I think that everyone has a really different way of performing and a different goal for their performance some people truly like do not let the energy of the room affect their performance and they really like get into their kind of emotional spiritual headspace and they put on the show for themselves you know and they don't let themselves get affected but for me I really like tap into that and I and I really 
care. I really do think about like if I were in the audience, how I would be perceiving it, not in like a self-conscious way, but like in a way that that's my relationship to the people in the room and the people that consume my music is as important to me as the music itself. Yeah. And I feel like my existence as a human in the world and participating in a capitalist business model is as important as my art to Mm. me personally, because I'm just another person, you know, making guitar rock. I'm not like changing the world or anything. Like no offense to myself, but (laughs) like, you know what I mean? So I've been told that I talk about, my life and from a very like kind of businessy unglamorous standpoint but to me it, it is it is magical and transcendent and epic but it is also like real it's also real I'm like a real yeah. person and I sure. and I don't I don't have any interest in like losing myself in the kind of like esoteric kind of ego transcending aspect of being a solo artist for yeah. me like I I really am like tapped into the other humans in the room sure. and 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 the other humans I work with and the other humans that consume the music and yeah. everything like that so it can be really like taxing yeah. in a super non-musical way in a super emotional way that's kind of more the stress for me is is all the non-musical things well, how, <laughs> how have you how have you come to navigate that then I think just trying to be as transparent as possible, which, you know, I've only been a solo artist for like a little bit more than a year. So I don't really know if I truly know the right answer to that. But just, yeah, just trying to be honest with the people I work with. It has been really easy that I may make music as myself and I don't have some other like persona. I think it can be really confusing and wild when people who are really introverted thrust themselves into this really extroverted thing and I think mm, like that kind of yeah. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde yeah, thing totally. can, yeah, yeah, can yeah. really fuck people up and Big time. so I think that I'm, I'm grateful that I was old enough to when I started my solo career know that I wanted to just be myself on stage. Yeah. I think it helps a lot. Absolutely. I'm not like you know, going back and forth with multiple personalities. <laughs> Maybe the next album. Yeah, next album. <laughs> yeah, you should do a double album next time. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm your other pro- I'm your other voice. <laughs> it's me, Sasami 2. Oh my god. Sasami, Sasami 2? <laughs> yes, it's me, the voice in your head. Ignore that. <laughs> She's going to get a whole side of the double album. I love it. <laughs> side B, Sasami. <laughs> Go back inside. Get out of here. We're having an interview. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we will wrap it up here, but before we do that, I asked this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn, Sasami. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. Hmm. Best show last night at Jet Black Cat. Fuck yeah. Shout out Jet Black Cat. (laughs) Worst show. I don't know. I feel like even the worst shows, there's always something, there's always like one good thing about it. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I think you have to have that kind of mentality as a performer that even if every element that's out of your hands goes out of control and the sound is bad and the people in the audience are not connected or they heckle you or whatever, you have to be able to like find some sort of grounding element that you appreciate, whether it's like gratitude to have this job or whether it's like literally one person in the crowd that you make eye contact with. And so I can't really like remember the worst show because I feel like as a survival mechanism, I, I, I like really find something great about every show. I think that's a great approach to have. I think. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's that or just 
straight up mania, I yeah. think. Oh boy. <laughs> I think if you like really let yourself ruminate too hard on the worst show, it could, yeah. it could get dark fast. Oh yeah, that, that's where Sasami 2 comes into play. Sasami! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you to get out of here! <laughs> feed me! Oh, sorry, I have to, I have to feed my other okay. self. Yes, well, in the meantime, the artist is Sasami, not Sasami 2. That's next time. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> the album is self-titled. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. It is a wonderful album, and I'm very excited to see Sasami for the first time tonight. Buy it. Buy it. Buy the album. Buy the Stop shit it. out of it. Stop it, Sasami, too. <laughs> Stream it. Buy it. Come to a show. Do it. Okay, fine. Maybe that's actually just that's just my uh, She's my a business partner. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sammy, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Absolute Cheers. pleasure. Cheers. Boom. There we go. Thanks. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Bob Lights. 